We're going to be over in 1 Kings chapter 1. And I'm sure as all you expect, I have a little different version of the story with Ethel told here this morning. I just was looking at that verse of Scripture that says, you know, if someone comes up and asks for your shirt, give them your cloak also. So she took all the water I had, so I went and got all I could find and gave her that. So that's my story. (laughs) How many of you have been to the movies of late or watched one on TV? And of course, every villain has a villain, or every, every movie has a villain and a star, and the villain is trying to get the star. Very seldom is the star the villain, but most times there's a villain and there's a star. And you see that the villain has a plot to get to the star. And generally that plot will involve, you know, his uh, boyfriend, husband, girlfriend, wife, or kids, or somehow they're going to use whatever they can to, to get this star and get this person. And so you're watching the movie and you see the villain and you see the star and who are you pulling for? Most times we're pulling for the star, whoever it might be. We're pulling for them. If it's a 007 movie, you want to see 007 get the bad guy and get the villain and, and whatever movie it might be out there. You want the good guy to win, bad guy to lose. But they all have a plot. They All the villains, they get a plot. They develop a, 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 a way that they're going to get out there and get this one. And we see the plot, don't we? I mean, how many times do we see the villain's plot unfold? And as soon as we see the villain's plot unfold, what are we saying? Don't do it! Don't trust her. Don't trust him. Look out! It's just on the other side. We all see the plot. And you can see the the villain will send in an accomplice, you know, a girl or a guy, and they'll come on in and they'll say the right things. And you can see, as soon as they start saying the things, as soon as they start talking, what do you say? Oh, come on, you can see that. That's not right. You know they have an agenda. You know they're trying to get you, but the star doesn't see it. And they they go along with it and and, uh, we're there pulling for them and and trying for them. How easy is it for us to see the plot of the villain even though the star can't see it at all? To see the, the plot of the villain and yet in our own lives we don't see the plot. Too often, plot goes right past us and we fall victim to it. We're looking at this topic of reigning in life. We're looking at the idea of subversiveness. Last time we were looking at authority and the things that go along with authority. We've been actually touching on that for the number of weeks here. But in order to get you out of authority, because remember with the centurion, he said, I am a man also under authority. In order to have authority, you must be under authority. In order to get you out of authority, the tactic is to get you out from under authority. That's how we get you out of authority. Get you out from under the authority. If the star in the movie is a police officer, all they have to do is get that police officer to not play by the rules. And they get him out from under that authority. And then they can hatch their plot. Whatever it might be. But if you are under authority, then you have authority. But in order to continue to have that authority, you must operate under that authority. So the tactic of the enemy is this. Let's get them out from under that authority. And really, truthfully, the enemy could care less how they get you out from under the authority. All that they care about is that they get you out. 
The method isn't important. All that is is the end result. So they look to do, do so by diminishing established authorities in your life. This is the first thing they will do. They will diminish established authorities in your life. If you have the Word of God as your authority, one of your authorities, they come on in, they begin to try and diminish the Word of God as an authority in your life. And they'll say things about that. Well, you know, it was written by all these people. It was written so, so long ago. And who really knows what is the Bible and what's not the Bible? I've had Catholics come up to me and question the uh, authority of the Bible. And I love it when Catholics do it. Oh, I have fun with them. I said, are you telling me, yeah, how often you go to your Catholic church? Oh, I go there every week. Are you telling me that you go to Catholic church every week and you don't believe in the authority of the Bible? No, you don't know who did it. It was all these people. And I mean, who really knows who, uh, you know, which, which books were really in the Bible? I said, well, do you know that it was your church who picked the Bible? I always get them on that one. They hardly ever, hardly ever do they realize that it was the Catholic Church who, uh, who uh, kind of sanctioned one of their councils that they had done early on. And you know what? God watched over His Word. He even used, he used whoever He could. But I think they did a pretty good job picking the ones they did. And really all that they looked at was they looked at the people and how they received the different letters that were in circulation because there were a lot of letters in circulation. And certain ones got used over and over and certain ones didn't. And so they really grew up, stayed over to the, to the ones who did. You know which was the last book of the Bible to be canonized? Book of James. They had a hard time with that one. In fact, certain prominent fathers still have a hard time with that. They, uh, they put the book of James down quite often. But thank God we got the book of James in there and all the other ones in there as well. James was so works-oriented, some folks had a hard time with, with that. But we know how it fits in with the rest of it. But they'll do so by trying to diminish established authorities. How many of you have certain people in your life? We talked about it before. Influencers. Certain people in your life. And folks will come along and begin to try and pull them down. Ministers. Teachers. People that have uh, been influential for you. And people will come along and say things about them. And try and diminish those people in your life. They look to do so by diminishing established authorities in your life. Leaving you open to find new ones. Because in order for you to get out from under the authority, we've got to get rid of the pillars that have brought that authority into your life. So those people that have held faith in God and trust in God and brought those things as pillars in your life, we've got to get rid of those things. The Word of God that has brought faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, we've got to get rid of that. And once they get rid of that, then they can open you up to other things. That's why certain cult groups to go around. They don't come around and don't pitch their books right off the bat. What they do is they say, Oh, we believe in the Bible. Oh, yeah. We, we believe in Jesus Christ as Savior. We believe that Jesus Christ was, was alive and you know that, that God sent Him. They'll say all these nice things and that as you hang around and as you get in there and stay there a bit longer, then you find out, well, it's, Jesus wasn't really the Son of God. Well, the Bible isn't the only inspired work of God. And they begin to come in with other things and, to, and they got to sub, subvert the authorities you have in your life. And if they can do that, then they can bring in some others. So look to do so by diminishing established authorities in your life, leaving you open to find new ones. Subversive attackers start, <clears throat> start out soft-spoken, testing you out, but eventually they change. Now, we talked about this concept some time ago. 
that first off, they come in and they're kind of soft-spoken. They got to check it out. This Remember we talked about selfish people? We got into those same principles there. Selfish people know that they are selfish. They know that the things they hold to are selfish principles. And really, most people would, would, would see them and, and not follow after them. So they have to cover it up a little bit until they can sell you on them. Once they sell you on them, then they can bring out more of these things. Because that's how a lot of times it happens. We get sold on the people. And we like the people so much that we begin to take some of the things that they bring along with it. So that's why you've got to be very careful and not be willing to do that. Peter, he was trying to sell Jesus something. Don't be talking like all this death and resurrection stuff. Come on. Get with the, get with the program here. And what does Jesus say? Boy, Peter, I really like you. You know, I, I don't want to do anything to disrupt this friendship. No, he says, get behind me, Satan. I'm not putting up with that. Mm-mm. And sometimes we've got to say that. But they're a long-time friend of mine. I've known them for so long. Mm. Sometimes you've got to do like Jesus did. Well, subversive, subversive people will try to first off entice you. That's one way to do If they can entice you to get out from underneath the authority in, they will entice you into another area. You'll see this with Solomon. Solomon, all his great wisdom, began to multiply wives to himself and they enticed him to worship other idols, to go after other gods. They enticed him to do so. Who would have thought, Solomon, getting this prayer request, to have all this wisdom, who would have thought that he would have gone after these things? But he did. They enticed him. They brought him on over. Uh, discourage. They'll try and discourage you in the way that you go. And then we're not just talking about people. Subversive things can come from people. They can come from spiritual forces. They can come from circumstances and situations. All kinds of stuff can bring this thing to try and subvert the authority that you're under. But they'll try and discourage you. This is what you'll see with David. How many times do we see David just despairing of life? Just kind of at his wit's end. Just, oh. He keeps running from Saul. He keeps running from this one. He keeps going over here. It seems like everybody wants to kill him. People say they're on his side then they're not on his side. Oh, it's just, it's a tough thing. And he gets discouraged sometimes. And sometimes when you are discouraged, you're able to be moved and taken over to, a, to another one, another authority. Then if they don't, can't entice you, they can't discourage you, then they just want to try and scare you. Just come out and outright scare you. Because a lot of times when people get scared, they, they move. Have you noticed that? If you come up behind people and you scare them, don't they move? If a person's in a, in a room and a mouse comes running along the floor, don't they move? If you're outside and a snake comes along your path, doesn't that cause you to move? If you're sitting out there and the, and the clouds are starting to come, or come in and all of a sudden this loud crack of thunder, doesn't that sometimes cause you to move? If somebody comes after you with a hose... Doesn't that cause you to move? So sometimes all they want to do is they'll come in and they'll try and scare you. Because all they have to do is get you to move. They don't have to get you to move any particular direction. They just have to get you to move. Get out from under that authority. They don't care what other authority you get under. All they care about is that you get out from that authority. Because if you get out from that authority, then they can get you. So they try and entice you. 
try and discourage you and try and scare you. You'll see this with Abraham. Abraham's going down to Egypt and what is he afraid for? His life. They will kill me because you are such a beautiful woman. They will want to kill me, get me out of the way so uh, the, the Pharaoh can have you. So just tell him that you're my sister. He's scared. And it got him to move. And you'll see this happen with other people as well. Well, we want to take a look at a particular story here in 1 Kings chapter 1. This is a transition between David and Solomon. We're going to be reading quite a bit of the story. This is the story of Adonijah and his attempt to take over the becoming king, even though he knew that that was not in David's plans. 1 Kings, the first chapter. Now King David was old, advanced in years, and they put covers on him, but he could not get warm. Therefore his servant said to him, Let a young woman, a virgin, be sought for our lord the king, and let her stand before the king, and let him take care of him. Let her lie in the bosom, that our lord the king might be warm. Is this good advice or bad advice? This is bad advice. How many wives does David have? I mean, come on. We don't need to be doing this sort of stuff here. So they sought for a lovely young woman throughout all the territory of Israel and found Abishag, the Shunammite, and brought her to the king. The young woman was very lovely and she cared for the king and served him, but the king did not know her. Then Adonijah, the son of Haggith, exalted himself, saying, I will be king. And he prepared for himself chariots and horsemen and fifty men to run before him. Now, Adonijah is a subverter. And you're going to see some traits in him that you've seen in people that are close to you, people that you've seen coming in the, in the situation, come in the picture. You will see the things in Adonijah that you see in the villains in the movies. You can see this coming. Just like you can the plot from the villain in the movie. If only it was that easy to see it in our own situation, in our own life. Boy, it would be so much better there. Let's take a look at what he does. Adonijah, the son of Haggith, exalted himself, saying, I will be king. Who was supposed to say who was king? Well, David would be a nice one to have on your camp, but who's really the one behind it? God. God is. God is the main one. He's, God picked Saul. God picked David. And uh, it's, it's common that the oldest son of the king would be next. But of course, you know they serve God. And you want to see who the hand of God is with. But Adonijah says, you know what? I'm going to be king. So I'm going to make myself king. I will be king. And he... Well, he exalted himself, saying, I will be king. And he prepared for himself chariots and horsemen and 50 men to run before him. This is the thing that subverters do. They exalt themselves. How many of you don't raise your hand? Just, you know, the quiet hand that you have on, raised on the inside. How many of you have friends that you know who constantly exalt themselves? Well, if I was doing that, it wouldn't be that way. You ever heard that from somebody? Well, if only I was out there. Well, if only the boss would ask me to do that. Have you ever worked with somebody at your job and you, you have the different people around it? Oh, if only the boss asked me to do it. What are they doing? Exalting themselves. 
Is exalting yourself a good idea? <laughs> it's not a good idea. You're not going to get God's blessing going your way. You aren't going to get it. You got to quit exalting yourself. Yeah, but if I don't, my grandfather used to always tell us, if you don't toot your own horn, nobody else will. And that is probably true. But there are some places, you know, you just shouldn't be tooting your own horn. Let somebody else toot it. Nobody ever does. That's fine. Let God exalt you. Was Saul out there tooting his own horn? I should be king? No, but God found him. Was, was David out there exalting himself? I should be king? No, but God found him. His whole family decided that, you know what? David's not that important. We're going to leave him out there in the field while we're selecting the king. And Solomon has to say, or I'm sorry, Samuel has to say, Where, do you have any other sons? God's not on any of these guys. And they go out there and they get him. God found David. God found Abraham. God found Joseph. God can find you wherever you're at. But don't be a subverter. A subverter, first off, they exalt themselves. If you've got a person who's always going around saying, well, I should be the one who does it. Well, if I did that, it wouldn't be that way. Well, if I did that, it's because so-and-so did it. They don't do it as well as I do. Don't be doing it. You'll be following in the path of Adonijah. That's not a good way to go. He exalted himself saying, I will be king. And he prepared for himself chariots and horsemen and 50 men to run before him. So he got his own parade together. Probably paid the guys to run before him. Here. Here's some money. Run before me. Okay. So they get on out there. So that's the first thing that you will see about subverters is that they exalt themselves. Do not follow in the path of, an ex- of a subverter and begin to exalt yourself. Let someone else do it. Let God do it. Don't do it yourself. Verse 7. Then he conferred with Joab, the son of Zeruai, and with Abiathar, the priest, and they followed and helped Adonijah. But Zadok, the priest, Beniah, the son of Jehoiada, Nathan, the prophet, Shemai, Ray, and the mighty men who belonged to David were not with Adonijah. One of the things that subverters will do is that they include and they exclude. They include and they exclude. Subverters will do this. They want to include this one over here and this one over here and this one over here. But we need to exclude this one over here and this one over here and this one over here. Now, this has some, beside having some meaning in your own life, these principles that we're learning here from Adonijah on subversion work in our day right now. Boy, do they ever work in our day right now. Because the the first principle is exalt themselves. Second principle is include and exclude. We have members of Congress all over the place that are trying to subvert what is working what they what is going on with something that they have. And you'll see subversive tendencies that first off they exalt like to just take the healthcare thing. How many of these senators are out there exalting the health care bill? And yet they're not pointing to any pages. They're not saying this page right here or this they're not reading it. They're not reading it to vote on it. They're not reading it, but they're exalting it. This is the good plan. This is a good plan. The president's been on record. If I could get on this plan, I would. But I'm president and I'm not allowed to be on that plan. I have to be on the. But they're, they're exalting the thing 
but none of them want to do it. They include and they exclude. You will notice that as our senators, as our congressmen, go around the country and have these town hall meetings, anyone who, who opposes, anyone who, who has a problem, they want to exclude. They want to say, you are a rebel. You are no good. Yet before, it was okay when you had rebellious ideas as long as it was against certain principles that they wanted you to be rebellious against. But now that they want this, no, 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 no. No, you're, you're wrong. You shouldn't be doing that. They want to include. They want to exclude. This is principles of subversion. These are principles of subversion. Now, I could tell you some of the people that are our high-ups, congressmen and such, they read after, they study after people who write books on how to subvert. One of them even wrote a foreword for one of these books. So don't, they are trying to do this. They include and they exclude. I heard one person say, they said, if you felt like this health plan was the best thing in the world, wouldn't you want to be out at every town meeting? and be in those town meetings for hours and talk with everybody that you can and explain to them the problems? Explain to them why they, they don't see... Wouldn't you want to, to tell people all the time? If you smoke, you all believe that the Word of God is the truth, right? Don't, do you want to hide that? Or do you want to get out there and say, I want to show you why the Word of God is the truth. Let me take you over to this page. Let me take you over to this page. Let me take you over to this book and this chapter. Let me take you over to this verse. Let me show you what it does. Wouldn't you be spending time doing that? They want to include and they want to exclude. Don't let them subvert. But these are subversive tendencies. They all seem to follow the same pattern. This is not the only story we could go to. This is one story we haven't read in a while, so I wanted to go here. But you could, there's several others that you could pull out and see the exact same thing. Absalom was one. You could see a lot of the same principles with Absalom. Inclusion and exclusion. Self-exaltation. Same things. Subverters do this... They follow the same pattern. The people who rose up against Moses, they did the same thing. The people who rose up against Paul, the people who rose up against Jesus, they did the same thing. These are patterns. These are what people who subvert do. So when you see it, it should be just like it is in the movies. How many of you all know when the girl comes up to the guy and bats her eyelashes and says a few things, You, what do you know? Man, don't trust her. Get away from her. Don't trust her. She, she's going to bring... You know it. You know it. You don't even know where she came from. You don't need to know anything about it. You know how to recognize, right? Right? If the star is a girl and the guy comes on up and he's trying to, to pull her out of the, whatever it is that she's doing and he says all the lines and does all the things and what do you do? Don't do it. Don't trust him. Don't believe him. He's lying to you. You can see it. But it happens in your life. Oh, okay. So, we've got certain people over here. We want these guys. But we don't want these. Subverters will do this. Now, you tell me if people in your life have done this. You tell me if government agencies, government people have done this. They say to you, this one over here, he's good to listen to. This one over here, not good to listen to. Don't listen to this one. Listen to this one. You're, you have friends who come up to you on the, on the job and you are talking about all the bad things that go on in the job and how everybody should get more money and how everybody should work less and have less hours and have more vacation pay. 
Right? And people say, all right, but don't say this to so-and-so. Don't, don't say this to them. All right, well, we'll leave them, we'll leave them out of it. Because we know it won't go good if you, if you bring this one in. But you can tell this one over here. They exclude and they include. As soon as you, if you have truth, truth includes everyone. Truth includes everyone. There is no one that has to be left out if it's truth. If it's false, we must leave out the people who can spot it. We must leave them out. They can spot it. We got it. You can't have them involved. They would mess up the plan. Got to keep them out. How many like the 007 movies? 007, he can spot the plan. The bad guys don't want 007 around. If he comes around, he's going to see what we're doing. He's going to understand what we're doing. He's going to mess it up. Get him out of there. Don't have that go on. Other spies, got some new spies coming up, some kind of fun spies, but they all see the plot. They all get it. They, oh, they can, we got to keep them out. We got to exclude them because they will reveal the plot. Things that are false always have to include and exclude. And you'll see this. This is not, like I said, this is not the only story you'll see this in. This is all over. As soon as you have friends who begin to try and tell you, don't tell this to so-and-so. Don't hang around so-and-so. Don't do this over here. You know you're not messing with truth. If it was truth, it would stand up to everybody. If it's false, it can't stand up to everybody. This is why the global warming debate never will, will hit the, 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 the big screen. Because they know it can't hold up to the evidence. Can't hold up to it. There's problems with it. whole lot of problems. Big problem right now is everything is cooling off from what they said. Of course, it only went up a degree and a half. <laughs> but now it's cooling back down again. And we're having trouble with that. Alright, so we've got certain ones. Now here's, take a look at this of those that are included. They confer with Joab. Is Joab an ally of David? Joab is one of David's best allies. When we had the uprising with Absalom, what did Joab do? He stood against Absalom. He was not going to let this go on. He was on David's side. Why is it that David or that Joab has been swayed to go to a different side? We see they confer with Joab. Abiathar. How many have heard of Abiathar before? He's, a, he's been involved in a whole lot of things. He's a priest. And they followed and they helped Adonijah. But they stayed away from a couple of David's mighty men. They pinpointed a couple of them and said, no, 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 we can't, can't bring this one in because they'll go right to David. They'll expose this thing. They'll see through it. They left Zadok off. No, we can't let him come in. Zadok will expose this thing. We can't, we can't have it. We've got to get the whole thing pulled off first and then we can bring in all these other, other people. They will include and they will exclude. But Joab... He didn't, he didn't fall for the one with Absalom, but he falls for this one. Joab knows that someone is going to succeed David at this point. When Absalom revolted, David was still in his prime. David was fine. There was no reason to replace David. Absalom just wanted to. But now David is on his deathbed. He can't go out to war. He can't go out to battle. David is pretty much done as a fighter and as a king. We're just buying time. 
So someone is going to replace it. So Joab looks over all his sons. Is Joab... He's a man of war, isn't he? He appreciates men of war. Absalom was not quite the man of war that David was. So he stayed on David's side. There's no reason to, to move. But between the two, Adonijah and Solomon, I guarantee you if we get to meet them all, Adonijah is the warrior. And Joab sides with him. He might even be saying, you know, I know David wants Solomon, but he's just he doesn't have it. Solomon, he's just kind of a mellow kid. He's not going to sustain the kingdom the way it needs to be sustained. The army is going to be kind of, you know, neglected. That's not a good way to go. And Adonijah sacrificed the sheep and oxen and fatted cattle by the stone, which is in Enrego. Enrego, I'm sorry. He also invited all the brothers, his king's sons, and all the men of Judah and the king's servants. But he did not invite Nathan, the prophet, Beniah, the mighty man of Solomon, his brother. Or Solomon, his brother. So Nathan spoke to Bathsheba, the mother of Solomon, saying, Have you not heard that Adonijah, the son of Haggith, has become king, and David our Lord does not know it? Come, please let me now give you advice that you may save your own life in the life of your son Solomon. Because he knows this, Solomon is a threat to Adonijah. When Adonijah gets into the kingdom, people know that David is considering and has considered Solomon as the prime replacement for David. So the only thing Adonijah can do is to get rid of the threat. We must kill Solomon. We've got to get rid of him. And we've got to get rid of his mom. Apparently that was one of the things that they did. So he says, you guys are in danger. Come, please let me give you advice that you may save your own life and the life of your son Solomon. Go immediately to King David and say to him, Did you not, my lord, O king, swear to your maidservant, saying that surely your son Solomon shall reign after me and he shall sit on my throne? Why then has Adonijah become king? Then, while you are still talking there with the king, I also will come in after you and confirm your words. They're, they're doing a little plot here on David. Now what they're doing is true. But when you're dealing with truth, you don't need a plot. They should have just both come on in at the same time and said, this is what's going on. But they want to make sure that David understands. And so they're, they're trying to make it appear that two independent sources are confirming this report. When really it's not. It's not how one, come, one guy, he comes over to Beersheba and he says, do you know this is going on? No, I didn't know this is going on. All right, you go in and you tell David it's going on and I'll come in and tell him it's going on after that. We got one source. It is going on. But that's not really the best way to do it. So Bathsheba went into the chamber to the king. Now the king was very old and Abishag the Shunammite was serving the king. Probably an uncomfortable moment. And Bathsheba bowed and did homage to the king. Then the king said, What is your wish? Then she said to him, My lord, you swore by the Lord your God to your maidservant, saying, Surely Solomon your son shall reign after me, and he shall sit on my throne. So now look, Adonijah has become king, and now, my lord, the king, you do not know about it. He has sacrificed oxen and fatted calf, sheep in abundance, and has invited all the sons of the king, Abiathar the priest, and Joab the commander of the army. But Solomon your servant, he has not invited. So if you invite all of the king's son except one, are you making a statement? Oh, yeah. Otherwise it will happen when my lord the king rests with his fathers that I and my son Solomon will be counted as offenders. 
And just then, while he was still talking with the king, Nathan the prophet also came in. So they told the king, saying, Here is Nathan the prophet. And when he came in before the king, he bowed down before the king with his face to the ground. Nathan said, My lord, O king, have you said Adonijah shall reign after me? And he shall sit on my throne? For he has gone down today and has sacrificed oxen and fatted cattle and sheep in abundance and has invited all the king's sons and the commanders of the army and Abiathar the priest. And look, they are eating and drinking before him and saying, Long live King Adonijah. But he has not invited me, your servant, nor Zadok the priest, nor Benaiah the son of Jehoiada, nor the servant Solomon. He has, has this thing been done by my lord the king? And you have not told him your servant who should sit on the throne of my lord the king after him. So he's basically saying, have you done something different? This is what the understanding was we had that Solomon would be king. Now Adonis is going, did you say this? And of course David says, no, I got no part of it. What's going on here? Then King David answered and, called, and said, call Bathsheba to me. Now she was there, but she left the room because Nathan came in. So she leaves. Nathan comes in. He explains. And they call her back in while Nathan is still there. And the king took an oath and said, As the Lord lives, who has redeemed my life from every disaster, from every distress, <clears throat> just as I swore to you by the Lord God of Israel, saying, Assuredly, Solomon your son shall be king after me, and he shall sit on my throne in my place. So I certainly will do this day. Then Bathsheba bowed with her face to the earth and paid homage to the king and said, Let my lord King David live forever, or at least for at least the next couple of days. And King David said, Call to me Zadok the priest, Nathan the prophet, and Benaniah the son of Jehoiada. So they came before the king. The king also said to him, Take with you the servants of your lord and have Solomon, my son, ride on my own mule and take him down to Gahan. Then let Zadok the priest and Nathan the prophet anoint him king over Israel and blow the horn and say, Long live King Solomon. Then you shall come up after him and he shall come and sit on my throne. And he shall be king in my place, for I have appointed him to be ruler over Israel and Judah. Benaiah, the son of Jehoiada, answered the king and said, Amen. May the Lord God of my Lord, the king, say so too. And the Lord has been with, as the Lord has been with my Lord, the king, even so may he be with Solomon and make his throne greater than the throne of my Lord, King David. So they go out there and they pull all this off. They get all these people to, to get in there in procession and they go on down and they do the anointing. And they have him ride on the mule and all the people see it and all the people get into an uproar and they come on down and they bring Solomon and put him on David's throne. Now see this uprising that they're doing, they've done some things, some of the processions, some, some of the stuff, but you know they, they want to go along, not just rush through it. They want this to seem authentic. So their goal was to eventually bring him over to the throne, but now Solomon is there. It's going to be tough to do this now. Verse 41, Now Adonijah and all the guests who were with him heard it as they finished eating. And when Joab heard the sound of the horn, he said, Why is this city in such a noisy uproar? While he was still speaking, there came Jonathan, the son of Abiathar the priest. And Jonathan said to him, Come in, for you are a prominent man, and bring good news. Then Jonathan answered and said to Adonijah, No, our lord King David has made Solomon king. The king has sent with him Zadok the priest, Nathan the prophet, Benaiah the son of Jehoiada, the Cherethites, the Perethites, uh, and so forth all the way on down he's going right on the king's mule this is all terrible this is, this, this is messing up our plans we had these great plans and they're all just messed up now <coughs> so what they were hoping for was that David would do nothing until David died 
And David probably wasn't planning on doing a whole lot until he died. And once he did, he figured that his will, Solomon being king, would be uh, accomplished. So they talk about how he was anointed. He's sitting on the throne, verse 47. And moreover, the king's servants have gone to bless our Lord King David, saying, May God make the name of Solomon better than your name. And may, may, may he make his throne greater than your throne. Then the king bowed himself to the, on the bed. Also the king said thus, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, who has given one to sit on my throne this day, while my eyes see it. So all the guests who were with Adonijah were afraid and arose, and each one went his way, because now they're involved in a treasonous activity. So all the guests say, oh, we're getting out of here, before someone takes note that we were here. Now Adonijah was afraid of Solomon, so he arose and went, took hold of the horns of the altar, and it was told Solomon, saying, indeed, Adonijah is afraid of King Solomon. For look, he has taken hold of the horns of the altar, saying, let King Solomon swear to me today that he will not put his servants to death with the sword. Then Solomon said, if he proves himself a worthy man, not a hair of him shall fall to the earth. For if wickedness is found in him, he shall die. So King Solomon sent them to bring him down from the altar. And he came and fell down before the King Solomon. Solomon said to him, Go to your house. So the whole episode is over. Before it ever becomes a whole lot, it's taken care of. But here we see under the include and exclude, this is the second trait of a subverter. They welcome or they include by flattery, insincerity, two-faced words, vain promises, and they say what you want to hear. Understand, they don't have to be based on truth. People who subvert have very little to do with the truth. They, do with, they deal with truth as much as they need. But they don't have to deal with truth. They can deal with whatever they want to. And they can just call it truth. But when they come up to you, they want to get you onto their side. Oh, the boss should put you in that. I, don't, I could not believe when I heard that he put so-and-so in that position instead of you, I was appalled because you were the first one I thought of. You should have been the one for that position. And, and they really did you an injustice for doing so. What are they doing? Flattering. The idea here is to subvert the authority. The idea is to get you for out from underneath that authority. To pull you on out. They exclude by rumor and opinion. They'll start to spread rumors about people. Do you know that so-and-so did this? Do you know that they said this? Do you know that they're thinking this way? Do you know that they have, have done, have said, have what, whatever they've done? And they just make up this stuff and people just hear it. Oh, I can't believe they said that about me. I can't believe they did that. Really? They did that? Yeah, 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 yeah. I have it on a real reliable source. That that's what happened. Rumor and opinion. They, set, they sow inside of you rumor and opinion about other people and begin to separate you from them. They proclaim error. They exclude by proclaimed error. They just say, well, that is wrong. I can't believe that the boss did that. That is just wrong. They just proclaim it as an error. And that's just the way it is. Because they proclaimed it as such. And you want it to be an error. So you, you accept it. And you begin to feel good around this person. Around these people. Around this group. And you begin to become more in with this group than the other one. They're getting you separated from authority. That's the whole idea. They just want to pull you out of that. They just want to get you out of that authority and pull you into another. When your, children, when your children are young growing up, they try and separate you from your parental authority. Once they can separate you from that, they can put other authorities in there and they can begin to, to pull you down. 
and get you to go after other things. But your mom and dad said not to do that. Yeah, but they apparently weren't working for my best interest. They didn't have my best interest at heart. No, no, no. I, I'm not going to go that way. They subvert authority. Now, here's the third area. We have they exalt themselves. They include and they exclude. And here's the other one. They have hidden agendas. Hidden agendas. Subversive people have hidden agendas. You know why they're hidden? Because if they expose them, you would recognize it as a problem. So they must hide it until they get you all the way in on it. Once they get you all the way in on it, then they can go ahead and reveal all the other things because it's too late now. It's, It's there. It's too late now. This is one reason why I keep talking about this medical stuff. There is, There are hidden agendas in here. And people have pulled out page numbers, paragraphs, and read the hidden agendas. And all they get from people are, well, that's not going to happen. No, no, no. We're not going to do that. Mm-mm. But it's written down. It's right here. It's written. This is what it says you will do. I heard one person say, <clears throat> I'm trying to defend this healthcare thing, you know, that... Um, uh, first off, that older people won't be denied coverage. I may have heard, you know, that's a that's a lie. Older people won't be denied coverage. Uh, that other people, all the coverage that you need is going to be available to you, and it's going to be provided by the government. You know, the government's going to be paying, and we do all these different things about it. But here's a here's the kicker. They tell you that they are going to cut health expenses. How many have heard that the government, by the, then taking over, is going to cut health care expenses? Now, let me ask you a question. Because just simple logic, you can figure this out. If you cut health care expenses, do you cut health care for the healthy? Can you cut health care expenses by cutting health care for the healthy? No, because the healthy aren't using it. You know when you need health care? When you're sick. The only way you can cut health care cost is to cut the amount of sick people you're paying for. Because you can't cut the amount of well people you're paying for because you aren't paying for them. They're well. It's the sick people. And I've told people this before. Everybody, I don't know if I said it here in church, but other places. Would you really want to put it in the hands of one single institution, the one who's going to pay you if you are alive and pay your expenses if you are alive and then put in their power the ability to, to deny health care? Because if you die, they don't pay you Social Security anymore from a bankrupt system. I mean, is it, is it wise to put all that into one hand? I just don't think so. Hidden agendas. There are hidden agendas. Every single subversive person has a hidden agenda. Every villain in the movie, what do they have? Hidden agenda. Does the girl reveal the hidden agenda to Bond? Does she say, I need to lure you into this trap so that the bad guy can kill you. Will you follow me? Does she say that? No, she doesn't say that. James Bond may know that she's luring him into a trap, but she never comes out and says that. She has a hidden agenda. The reason that they are hidden agendas is because... You can't bring them out. There's a problem with them. Absalom, when he was talking to all the people at the gate, had a hidden agenda. 
He couldn't come out and say it. Satan, when he comes in the garden to talk to Eve, has a hidden agenda. He can't say what the agenda is because it would ruin the plan. When Satan comes and tempts Jesus in the wilderness, does he not have a hidden agenda? But he can't come out and say what it is because that would reveal the plan. When the, the two come before Peter and they bring the money, don't they have a hidden agenda? The Holy Spirit exposed the hidden agenda and they died. That wasn't so good. People all the time have hidden agendas. They hide them because they know that ultimately they're not right. Ultimately, there is something that is not true about this thing. Because people, folks, who have agendas that are based on truth, don't hide them. They don't hide them. They don't put other people down. They don't have to exalt themselves. They don't include and exclude because they're dealing with the truth. It is people who deal with falsehood that have to do these things. Look at verse 1 of chapter 2. I'm sorry, verse 13. Now Adonijah, the son of Haggith, came to Bathsheba, Bathsheba, the mother of Solomon. So she said, Do you come peaceably? Because this is the guy who was going to kill her, as far as she knows. And he said peaceably. Moreover, he said, I have something to say to you. And she said, Go ahead, say it. Then he said, You know that the kingdom was mine and all Israel had set their expectation on me that I should reign. However, the kingdom has been turned over and has become my brother's for it was from, it was his from the Lord. This verse reveals so much about a subverter. And I'm telling you, they all follow the same spirit. They're all just about the same. Little differences here and there, but not much. In verse 15, he is proclaiming what never was and publicly reconcile what with what is he's publicly reconciled with what is to get what is needed he is proclaiming what never was was all Israel behind him ever no but certainly when he's excluding certain ones we know that all of them weren't there but he had a group of people who were there and he publicly reconciled himself to what is well, the kingdom is Solomon's because the Lord willed it that way. Do you think he believes that? If he believes that, he would be at rest with the fact that Solomon's king. But he's not. He's not at rest with it. This is what subversive people do. They will declare things publicly that they do not believe. Because they need something from you. Because they want you to believe something about them. Now I ask one petition of you. Do not deny me. And she said to him, Say it. Just one thing. I'm just, it's, look, I had the whole kingdom. I lost the whole kingdom. Your son got it. The Lord wanted it. And that's fine. I'm okay with that. But I just want one thing. If you just give me this one thing out of life, just give me one thing. All right. Well, you know, if you'll go away and leave us alone from this point on, then all right. Well, let's hear it. Please speak to King Solomon, for he will not refuse you, that he may give me Abishag, the Shunammite, as wife. Remember her? Now, David never took her as wife or concubine or anything like that. She just was there to keep him warm. So Bathsheba said, and she's thinking about this. She said, well, she's not a wife. She's not a concubine. And just was, you know, kind of, all right, well, this is, I don't see any harm in this. So Bathsheba said, very well, I will speak 
for you to the king. Bathsheba therefore went to King Solomon to speak to him for Adonijah. And the king rose up to meet her and bowed down her, bowed down to her, sat down on his throne and had a throne set for the king's mother. So she sat at his right hand. Then she said, I desire one small petition of you. Boy, you just know you're in trouble when someone comes up and says, I just desire one small thing. Do not refuse me. And the king said to her, Ask it, my mother, for I will not refuse you. Now, that's real carefully chosen words there. I will not refuse you. So she said, Let Abishag, the Shunammite, be given to Adonijah, your brother, as wife. King Solomon answered, said to his mother, Now, why do you ask Abishag, the Shunammite, for Adonijah? Ask for him the kingdom also, for he is my older brother, for him and for Abiathar the priest and for Joab the son of Zeruiah. What he says is, Mother, I would not refuse you anything that you ask, but you're not asking me this, are you? It's Adonijah who's asked you to ask me. He sees right through it. This is before he prays for ultimate wisdom and all that that became. This is the chapter before that. He hasn't asked for all that stuff yet. This is just normal Solomon right now. He says, why are you asking me for this? Adonijah put you up to this, right? But understand this, Mom. It's not just Adonijah. It's Joab and Abiathar the priest. We've got Joab and Abiathar the priest involved in another plot against David. This one, they weren't involved in the previous one, but they're involved in this one. And Solomon sees through it. Because if they, if she, if he gets her as wife, he can use that as a stepping stone to take the kingdom. Now he's not mad at his mom. He just understands, mom, you just, you're not seeing this. I understand it's not you asking, it was him asking. If it was you asking, I'd do it. But it's not you. He's asking through you. And as for you, O oh my Lord, O oh King, the eyes of all Israel, I'm skipped over. Did I? I think I flipped a page and shouldn't have done it. And the king Solomon answered and said to his mother, Now why do you ask Abishag the Shunammite for Adonijah? Ask him the kingdom also, for he is my older brother, for him and for Abathar the priest, and for Joab the son of Zeruah. Then the king Solomon swore by the Lord, saying, May God do so to me and more also, if Adonijah has not spoken this word against his own life. Now therefore, as the Lord lives, who has confirmed me and set me on the throne of David my father, and who has established a house for me as he promised, Adonijah shall be put to death today. So King Solomon sent by the hand of Benaiah, the son of Jehoiada, and he struck him down and he died. So he has him killed right off the bat. He then goes out and he executes Joab. Takes care of Joab. And he takes the priest, because he is a priest, he doesn't execute him, and he uh, says, you're banished. You're exiled. You cannot be in the kingdom anymore. You guys are going to keep putting these kind of plots up, so I'm getting rid of y'all. And so they were all all dispatched, all taken care of. Because he, un- he understands this is not good to have this in the kingdom. They are subversive people. If you, as we're going through this story, if you see traits of some of these things in people that are near you, then understand they are subverters. Doesn't mean you necessarily have to write them off right away. Solomon gave Abiathar, Joab, 
and Adonijah a chance to change it, but they didn't change. People that are in this condition, don't, they have a hard time changing. We don't see too many times when they did change in the, in the Word. But understand this part. Fill this out in your outline. Subverters operate through three things. They operate through words, they operate through thoughts, and they operate through opportunities. Subverters operate through words, they operate through thoughts, and they operate through opportunities. You can have people who come into your life and they say words of expectation, words of flattery, words that are involved in a plot, words where they need you to do something. They say words. They put down other people. They exalt, they exclude, and they include with their words. You have forces that go around, spiritual forces to sow thoughts into your mind. And these thoughts begin to do the same thing. They begin to include. They begin to exclude. They begin to exalt. How many times have you had thoughts come in your head that begin to put you in a... Why? Why am I not getting a better deal? How come I'm not being paid more at work? How come I'm always having to do this? These thoughts come in. What are they trying to do? Subvert, get you outside of that authority. Move you into another spot. That's what they do. So these thoughts can come in, these words can come in, and opportunities come in. Here's an opportunity. Oh, but the Word of God says you can't go after that opportunity. Oh, God's keeping me from stuff. Oh. Trying to subvert you. Trying to pull you off of that authority. First and, first, first and foremost, don't be a subverter. Don't be one. Second, recognize them. Recognize subversive people that are around you. And once you recognize that this person has subversive traits, then you better understand the things that come out of their mouth are probably along the lines of being subversive. They will include, exclude, and they will exalt themselves. You should not ever put trust into a person who is a subverter. Don't do it. If you do it and get burned... Don't go crying to God. God's going to slap you upside the head and say, stupid. Told you not to do that kind of stuff. Why don't you go in there and look at the stories in the Bible? I told you what these people are like. Don't be doing that. So recognize them. Third, resist them. When they come in there, I mean, they're tough. Subverters are tough. They are good at what they do. They come on in and they flatter you and it's tough when you get in the presence of a subverter not to think, wow, they really like me. They really enjoy when I'm around. I feel so much like they want me here. Oh, I feel so good. We forget all the other stuff about they're excluding and pushing away all these other things. So resist them. Don't let those words get in. You let those words get in, other stuff can follow. You know? Ladies, be careful, guys, to come in and try and subvert the authority of your household. And guys, be careful of ladies who come in and try and subvert the authority of your household. Don't let them do it. Resist them. Fourth, be real careful of this one. Expose as God shows you. You are not called to expose every subverter that you come in contact with. And you must be careful. Because subverters play by different roles than you do. And if you expose one and God hasn't shown you to expose it or shown you how to expose it, then you could find yourself in trouble. You could find yourself with a plot against you. 
So be careful. God shows you how to expose it. You go out there and do it. Jesus dealt with subverters like the Pharisees and the Sadducees for a long time. Does He come out and expose them right off the bat? He, he works with them for a while. He tries to get them off of that area of, of the, the subverting tendencies they have. But they didn't do it. And so after that, He began to expose them. Paul dealt with subverters. People who come in and subvert every church he tried to start, every ministry he tried to get going, they'd come in and subvert it. And after a while, he's all right, we're just going to go and we're going to expose these guys. But when he began to expose them, he, he faced an even greater battle, even stronger battle than he had before. When you take on a subverter, you will take on a battle. But if you expose the ones that God says expose and you expose it how God says to expose it, you'll be fine. You'll still go through a battle, but you'll be fine. But don't feel like every subverter that you see, you have to get out there and expose. Because you don't have to. And you'll get yourself in trouble. And you'll, begin, you'll, you'll find out you're doing the same thing they are. You are subverting them. You don't need to, you don't need to do that. God is not into subverting people. God is about ministering to them. And if He cannot minister to them, He then exposes them for who they are. Look at how many people Paul brought close into his, his, his group. And those ones who betrayed his trust and began to subvert things, he eventually had to expose. But he first off tried to work with them. And he tried to help them out. So if you recognize, how many of you right now can say, I've just recognized some subverters in my life I hadn't recognized before? Anybody? I got some, I got some people that are doing this in my life. Yeah, they're, they're out there. Yeah, they're there. But don't feel like you've got to go run and chop from the housetops. So-and-so's a subverter. Don't have to do it. But just be aware. Be resistant to the words that they say. Be resistant to the things that they say about other people. News people, in my mind, 3, 6, and 10, ABC, NBC, CBS, MSNBC, CNN, all such things like that, to me, are subverters. They constantly tell you things about people that are not true for the purpose of getting you to not listen to them or not to, to exclude them and not get over there with, with... Don't listen to it. Go out there and listen to it yourself. Go out and find out what do they actually say. What's going on with it. If you want to have authority and you want to reign in this life, you must understand there are people called subverters who are roaming around trying to get you from outside of the authority that you're on. Don't let it happen. Don't let that go on. Subverters will try and drive wedges between families. Subverters will drive wedges between friends. Subverters will drive wedges between church members. Subverters will drive wedges between co-workers, neighbors, all sorts of things. And if you do that, you begin to entertain all these thoughts, these angry thoughts, these hurt thoughts, these resented thoughts, and they pull you out of walking in the love of God and pull you out of authority. Understand, the subverters do not care what they pull you into. They care what they pull you out of. That's the main thing. They want to pull you out from the authority of Jesus Christ. Don't let them do it. Don't let them do it. Be resistant to it. Keep going back to God the Father. 
This is a good story. We, did, we skipped over some parts of it. You can go on back and read this over. Compare it to the story with Absalom. Compare it to some other ones that will come to your mind of people who, who subverted. And you will see an alarming amount of similarity between them all. That's okay. You know what's great about the, the similarity? They all work the same. And you already knew this. When we started, you already knew this principle. Because you all knew, watching that movie, you all go home watch a movie tonight, some kind of a plot, and you watch. You Subverter! Sub- I see it! Subverter! That's one right there! <laughs> and you could spot them before. It's so easy to spot them in other people's lives. It's so hard to spot them in our own. So often we are like the star in the movie. And we're being led astray by the villain or the accomplice into the trap that they have set. But don't, don't do that. Would you all stand up with me? Glory to God. Father, we thank You for the help that You give us. You know that there are people out there who do only, their only goal in life, it seems, is just to get us out from them to the authority of God. Because if they get us out from that authority, we're open and susceptible to a whole lot of things. We want to resist. We want to stand fast in the faith. And we will not be moved. We'll minister to those subverters we can, but we will resist their charms, their tactics, and their ploys. We love you. We won't go around here trying to expose this one and that one. We'll just we'll do what you say for us to do. And we'll let it stop there. Father, thank you for the wisdom that you give us and the help that you give us. For no subverter can work their plan when you are at, at the helm in our life. When you are at work. And we thank you for that. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.